Welcome to the Clemson Dubcast. Prepare yourselves for a deep conversation, one that was interrupted a few weeks ago when Ray Ray Racklerath Bay lost control of the commercial vehicle he was driving and tumbled down into a ravine. He was hospitalized, is alive and well a few weeks later back in Atlanta. And so we're going to resume the conversation. We also, at TigerIllustrated.com, talked to Ray Ray a few weeks ago for our Clemson 30 series, asking a collection of former football players from different eras, their thoughts on NIL, the transfer portal, what they're up to now. Bunch of great stuff in that series if you want to go check it out. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning, way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith and Archenhold based in Greenville. They are Clemson people, and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse, and neglect car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parm Smith and Archenhold, call 864 864- Nine nine zero four five eight one, or online at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Matt Gross is a proud Clemson alum and the vice president for the Clemson market for Founders Federal Credit Union. Matt's office is located beside the Walmart Neighborhood Market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experience team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Okay, to our conversation, not an easy one here. Uh, We go a lot of different places with Ray Ray, uh, how he looks back at the movie Safety uh, from two years ago, his relationship with his late father and regrets on sort of how he handled the relationship there, also updating on his mother and how she's doing. Anyway, let's get to it. Here we go. Okay, uh, joined by Ray Ray McElrathby, who is driving a truck somewhere around Roswell, New Mexico. Did I get that right? Yes. Yes, that is true. All right, we got a lot to unpack with with this. Okay, what what are you doing? Um, What kind of truck? How did you come to be near Roswell, New Mexico, instead of Roswell, Georgia? Well, uh... I have a trucking company, um, and I, I have box trucks, 26-foot box trucks. Uh, looking to move into semis pretty soon here, but just with the box trucks right now, I have uh, four trucks that I run around uh, America with. I'm just trying to build a business, so I have something to give to my son and something that helps me support my family and any other endeavor I want to, I guess, venture down. How far? When did you start doing this? I've been doing it close to uh, right after the movie, actually. Uh, so about a year and a half, two years. Give me the, give us the, for those who don't know what how how one gets into the business, sort of the the finer points of where did you start? Like what what did you 
when you first decided you might want to do it, what did you do? Well, well, first, uh, I had a conversation with my mother who was getting bothered by me spending a lot of money, not exactly sure what I was doing with my life. And she was telling me that I need to start a business, that I need to, you know, do something a little bit more tangible with with my income. And, and I was trying to figure out things that, you know, fit my personality, something I like to do, but also something that can help my brothers. Like, if they were not working at the time, but, I mean, if I started a business that they could join in with me, then it helps. Um, so that's what initially got me to start looking for something to do with my money as opposed to just trying to invest in the stock market and make money that way. But you did that too, right? Yeah, I did that too. And, uh, and boy, oh boy, I got hit like everybody else got hit. Um, it's unfortunate, but that's life. But it, it gave me a new passion for something outside of football. And it was, I'm still very excited about what the future holds via the stock market and, you know, my life and the things that I can do just by learning the trade itself. All right, let's go back to when you decided you wanted to, to start with in trucking. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, once I decided, uh, I bought one truck. I had my brother driving it, and we were both driving it, and so it was good. Your brother, Famar? Cornelius, actually. I'm sorry. the first Cornelius was the first driver. Famar drove for me for a little bit, but he didn't like being on the road. And, and I tell him, it's a means to an end. It's not like, you know, I'm going to be in trucking forever. But, you know, if we can build the business, we can have something for our family. We won't have to you know, go find me for no events ever in life. We can, we can know, we can take care of ourselves. What's the, what's the company called? Keep it 100. Keep it 100 trucking. Yep, yep, yep. So, did you, you started with one truck. Yes. And how did you, how do you grow it from there? I'm not, I'm not interested in entering the trucking industry. I'm just genuinely curious. <laughs> well, you, you, you start off with one truck. Hopefully you get loads, you make money. Um, then you take the Amazon approach. You reinvest the money that you get as well as, um, it's a, as, as well as, um, what you, you, what's the thing? Now, after you reinvest, you take the Amazon approach, you reinvest the money, but you also take the Tesla approach and try to get everything in-house. So whether you do your dispatching, uh, your mechanic, um, all that kind of stuff. You want to do all that in-house because the less stuff that you have to pay for is, the, you know, the more money that you can keep at the end of the day. So eventually I want to become my own broker, um, dispatch all my own trucks and just basically have an integrated system top to bottom. So that's the plan. And the Amazon model, take everything that you make and reinvest it. So so Uncle Sam don't come beat the hell out of me. So right now you're you're a lot of this stuff is out of house where maintenance and things like that you're you're having yes. to 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 pay for that for somebody else to do it I guess. Yes, maintenance uh dispatching but my my goal is to do everything in house at the end of the day. And then I mean and also just to basically take the profits 
Because I was watching something last night. You ever seen Immigration Na- uh, Nation on Netflix? Have not. It's it's the saddest thing you ever want to see. And there's these families. And you know how you see those, say, the church commercial, like 39 cents a day could feed, you know, can help a kid survive. And and then for some of the people, that's that's the true fact. Like, because the money, the exchange rate is so different that you can send 30 cents a day and it can help sustain someone's life. And I'm watching these people, you know, who only pray for running water. Yeah. <laughs> not, not nothing special, not hot water, but just running water. Um, and then these families that get caught up in a system and their parents separated from the kids, all that kind of stuff, and you watch it. And then, and then for me, like I've I've been donating money uh, to I guess Middle Eastern countries as well. Um, and you can send twenty five dollars and it feed fifty people. Mm. And uh, they'll send you like little videos of your donation, what your donation did, or how many people your donation fed. They'll show you the people and the place and where what is it going to. And so that's always been something that helped made me feel better. And so. As well as, you know, everything I want to do as far as making profit, I want to give back as well. And I know if I'm in a position that I can give back. And I tell people during the times when I'm speaking that, look, my bargain with God was that, you know, if you make it okay for me, I'll be okay. I'll I'll try to make it okay for everybody else. And, um, you know, I'm okay, as I tell people. You know, me and God are cool. There's times when I'm not okay, but right now I'm okay. And so I'll do what I can to, you know, fulfill my end of the bargain that I had with God. Those nights I was crying in the bathroom in the dark. Yeah. Uh, how many trucks do you have now? Four. Four trucks. And those, you have other people driving them, I suppose? Yes. Yes. And I, you, you mentioned the stock market uh, taking a hit off that. I imagine the gas Woo! prices, the gas prices, Woo! it's like a double, uh, double blow for you with given, given that industry you're involved in yes 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 i i I feel every every penny every penny every every 10 cent gas goes up i i notice easily there's no problem it 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 affects my bottom line drastically because most people would be like well it's only you know extra 10 cent a gallon but if you average in you know a thousand gallons or two thousand gallons a week. Like it, it comes out to a lot after a while. Yeah. Big deal. Oh, real big deal. And then, and then, the, even if you're driving on the East Coast or the West Coast, I mean, because some some gas stations in California are seven dollars a gallon for diesel. Oh, these are diesel trucks. Yeah, these are diesel trucks. Yes, it's, it's all diesel. So, so go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm good. Go ahead. So this trip right now, you were in. Uh, uh, w- when did it start? Arizona. No, I mean, when did you leave Atlanta on, for, on this trip? Ooh, I, I've been on. I've been gone from Atlanta. I didn't leave Atlanta. I had a speaking engagement in Memphis um, at Memphis uh, Methodist Hospital. Um, it's the Dillons, uh, Dennis Jones Living Well Center. Mm-hmm. I did. Uh, I did an event in Memphis. With them, and from Memphis, I had my truck there, so I went from Memphis to Arizona to drop a load because I picked up a load in Memphis and dropped off in Arizona, and then from Arizona to New Mexico. 
But I've been on the road for uh last two weeks. Okay. And then you're on your way to Ohio right now? Mm-hmm. And then uh supposed to be in Atlanta by Thursday because my niece's graduation and then um my son uh wants to have a yes day. Uh, I had to give up a yes day because I've been gone. What's a yes day? Well, he's been watching this show, a movie on Netflix, where it's a yes day where everything that the kid asks for that day, the parents <laughs> have to say yes. As long as there's nothing in the future or uh, ridiculously outrageous. Sounds like you're looking so forward to that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> right. Um, he, he has some basic requests. He wants to go grocery shopping. To get all the snacks he wants, uh, Six Flags, which is a amusement park in Atlanta, as well as Sky Zone, which is a jumping trampoline park. And he wants to finish off with um, uh, I Fly, which is a skydiving type of deal. <laughs> this all this in yeah. one day? <laughs> yes, and he wants the <laughs> Oculus, <laughs> but you gonna have to wait for that. <laughs> But all that in one day, yes. I got some making up to do since I've been gone. So two and a half weeks total, two two or three weeks, you, you will have yeah. been once you get... Is that normal? Is that like the typical... Well, typically, I'm not a driver. Um, I end up losing a driver because, you know, the economy and then, you know, people... It's not as easy for other individuals to be on the road. Finding drivers is one of the hardest things. That's why, you know, you see Walmart giving out a you know, $100,000 supposedly for drivers. Um, and and the shortage is real. So it's hard to come by drivers. So I'm on the road because I actually don't have anyone to put in the mm. truck at this very moment. So basically, ideally, and you're, you're, if not for all the economic stuff going on, you'd be home sort of calling the shots for others to be out there on the road. Yes. Yes. I, I, I want to continue speaking and, 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 and almost like a pastor, I go share the word, you know, go help others. That's, I feel like that's my, my biggest asset right now and how I can help as many as people as possible relatively quickly. And you have, uh, something you call the safety net foundation. Yes. Tell me about it. Uh, well, it's helping at-risk kids. And my initial goal was just to sponsor three kids. And um, I did three kids for my son's school. And I basically mentored them to try to make sure they're doing the right thing um, and help help others as they go. I was working with the school to identify some kids that might be basically on the verge where they can go either way. They just need guidance. Similar to myself. Yeah. Because I was a knucklehead before somebody found me and, you know, gave me a little sense. What is, uh, what is it like for, uh, I guess, being away from your son for such long periods? What is it like for him, you being away? Um, and is he, is he okay? Is he being taken care of? Yes, he's taken care of. He's with his mother, but he... Uh, <laughs> He doesn't appreciate me going be going going for long periods of time without him, um, because his main thing he likes riding with me when I'm on the road. Actually, he's been on the road with me a couple of times, 
And so he was born in California and his mother's from California. So her side of the family is maternal side of the family is there. And he always wants to get out to California to go see them anytime we're on the road. So, and then he enjoys being on the road because he's a kid. He gets to see new things. We try to stop at various places where there's like a state park or some type of attraction that, you know, he could see. So by the time he comes back to school from the summertime, he has a whole, you know, list of stories for all the places he's been. And because I think last year when we traveled with him in the summer, we went through 38 states. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. So yes, he has a good time. And he enjoys it, and we, and, you know, I enjoy spending time with my son. And so it's hard not being around him. But um, as I tell people, a lot of the time, if anybody ever seen this movie with Paycheck with Ben Affleck, and it talks about he does a job, he's a engineer, and but the jobs they he doesn't ever remember them, but he loses that time. So however long he's doing the job, he loses that time, and so. One job that the main job what this movie is based on is a three year job. And how the guy explains it to him is that it's it's three years for the rest of your life. So this is the last job you have to do. It'll take you three years to do it. You'll give up three years, but you'll never have to work again for the rest of your life. And in my mind, that's that's my goal. Like I'm gonna do two I get two hard years in and I, if I sacrifice two years, then I shouldn't have to work for the rest of my life. But even even when you're working, like you mentioned last summer, I mean, him being able to travel with you 38 states, that's precious time. Uh, memories of a lifetime, I would think. Yes, 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 yes. We did everything. We went to the Space Needle last year, uh, went to the Arch in St. Louis, Sears Tower in Chicago. Um, what? Um, we rode through the Grand Canyon area and seen some other canyons in Arizona. Um, what? Florida. Went to the beach. Miami. Um, Tampa. Fort Lauderdale. Um, we went to Disney. Wait, which is it? Land? Land is in Cali. Yeah, land. Um, of course, he went to California. He saw his other side of the family. We spent about three days out there. Um, yeah, we kind of went, went to Vegas, seen Vegas, uh, yeah, went to Circus Circus and did a little park that's inside of there. Um, yeah, so it was fun. Are you made for the road? Are you, are you built for, for what you're doing right now? Oh, I'm, I'm one of those people that. I look at it as a means to an end. So whatever I'm doing, it's, if if I look at it as a sacrifice I can make. So if I'm not built for it, I'm still built for it. Like I, because the only thing that makes me not built for it is my mindset. And so if I if I can change my mindset, if I can switch up the perspective, then everything should be okay. So you can pretty much handle anything, whatever comes at you. <laughs> Essentially, because I always give the story that when I grew up, growing up, I, I couldn't stand washing dishes, but I, I enjoyed laundry. And I have no reason not to like washing dishes. I just always been telling myself that since I was younger, because I didn't feel like it was a man's job to be washing dishes. So I looked at it as if it was some 
that now nah, I don't like washing dishes. And I continue to tell myself long enough that I start believing it. But you can do that in reverse. You can tell yourself, I love washing dishes. So if you're like, I got to wash dishes, I love washing dishes. And I continue to tell myself that eventually I believe it. And dishes aren't that bad. So the the reason you and I reconnected, uh, I guess, last week was um, you were a part of this Clemson 30 series we're doing, talking to 30 former uh, football players from different eras and, and just asking them three basic questions. One is what you're up to now. Two is your thoughts on where the program is under Dabo. And three is uh, your your take on the current landscape of college athletics with the, the portal and NIL. And I hang up the phone after a 10-minute, well, it was more than 10 minutes, but 20-minute conversation. And I'm like, that just felt incomplete <laughs> because of all the of how your life has uh, changed over the last few years. And the fact that you were the subject, you and your brother and your mother were the subject of a, of a Disney movie. So that's the reason for this uh, conversation. Can you just sum up how your life is different since the movie uh, came out? Um, well, it's different. I mean, I'm different. My life is hasn't been too much different uh, other than me continuously being busy, but I was busy before the movie, a little busy body, uh, kind of bouncing around, doing all kinds of stuff. Um, but since the movie, I've, I've had more opportunities to speak to people. It's given me a larger platform to share my message and to share the things that I've been through and how I overcame. And so I've been doing that most recently um, excessively as much as I possibly could. Um, but life, uh, most people would believe that, you know, once you have a movie, everything's great. Mm-hmm. But but we all know how life works, no matter what's going on. It's not always great. And I, I, there's a quote that, you know, if you, you can't wait to everything's going right in your life to be happy. So... Um, it's not that I'm, I'm, I'm sad, but I understand that there's still things that I have to go through and that I will go through, you know, just because it's, it's how life works. And I've been trying to take on those things as they come. It's a little bit different now because where at, at one point it was like, okay, maybe, maybe he's having a hard time, but now it's more of an expectation that I'm okay. Right. Happily yeah, so, ever after. Yeah, I'm happily ever after. Everything's happily ever after now. Like I, I don't have any issues. And truth be told, I might have more issues. They say with more money comes more problems. Um, well, um, I did receive some money for the everything that I do, but even with that, there comes you know more responsibilities. Like you know, I have a whole trucking company and employees that I'm responsible for. Um, you know, who look to me to provide things for their family. And so I'm more responsible now, so it's not as happily ever after. I'm actually working more now than I did before the movie. Yeah. Because more is, one, more is expected of me um, on one end, and then I expect more of myself, like, because I continuously, my thought process is that I'm supposed to be getting better at this. 
so with that being said, then I, I could take on more. I can affect more people. I can help more. And so it, 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 it calls on me to do more. And in my mind, you know, I was there was times I used to play Madden. I used to be on a video game and I had, you know, three hours to kill. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not that I did, but, you know, I didn't have any responsibility that was immediate. Because the uh, only thing you should procrastinate in doing is procrastinate. Like, you don't, 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 don't take all that time. And that's what I was doing when I thought I had time. And then life happened, and now I'm, it's hard for me to find time. Well, when I'm not on the road, it's kind of quite easy when you're on the road. Just, just, well, at least talking, but I can't be doing anything outside of running my mouth. I, I don't want to get too personal here, totally into your business, but was no, we the... get all kind of personal. Okay, is, sounds good. Is, my life, my life is all personal. This is this is. I'm shared with the world. Hopefully, it helps someone. Was the was the arrangement was the deal you got for the movie financially? Was it in hindsight? pros and cons and everything was it was it a fair shake for you i mean was it enough um in my mind you know i feel like dave chappelle <laughs> <laughs> dave chappelle with his comedy central deal um because when he, he, he i was watching one of his stand-ups and he was just like you know when i first got the contract i signed the contract like any desperate 27 year old would sign the contract it didn't matter hell because it's this or what uh, this is my break, and I'll take this break and, and make everything great. And so, no, it, it probably, it, no, it wasn't the best deal. Hell no. No. At all. It was it was all bad. All bad? Um, <laughs> it was all bad. It was good just, you know, for recognition purposes, but other than that, yeah, it was all bad. All bad in terms of you basically signing over somebody else's you're telling somebody else you can you can tell my story and use whatever tell whatever story you want to leave whatever stuff out that, that you want to that, leave whatever in and out not say I, I had some control but not much I can ask that if that's called control I don't know what what kind of control it is but I could ask and they were pretty not saying that um, they um, took things and did stuff that I didn't want them to do but more so that um, I could have, I could have did a much better deal if I was in a better place when I signed the deal. But again, I was, I was, you know, it was, it was an opportunity of a lifetime as far as I was concerned. Can you refresh me on when? I mean, you you had signed the deal a long time before they. Well, decided- see that 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 was the issue because my old deal was the deal that they wanted me to go into. But life had changed since the old deal. What do you mean? Um, well, that, um, like, the story had died down. As far as the public was concerned, people still knew it, but it had died down. And so, um, during Dave Chappelle's Netflix thing, it was just like, you know, yeah, you know, you, they they get this contract, and they talk about you know using your life in this universe. I mean, using your story in this universe, and then in the next, and all per- perpetuity throughout the universe, wherever the hell, and doing what they want to do, and um, and so 
uh, he talked about the part where, you know, they they you don't have an attorney, so when you get suggestions for attorneys, typically you go to the people that you're working with. You know, you, they they already had an attorney, and then he talked about how uh, the three card Monty, and he was just like, you know, he went over there and they were showing him, and he was like, he was sure which card, you know, the red ball was under, and he realized that everybody in the room, everybody in that group that he was, you know, betting his money with were friends. Right. And so, and so he was just like, so what if that was the case when this contract came around? And which is was similar to my case. It was pretty much, yeah, everybody in the room was friends and I didn't know it. When did you sort of get wise to it? When did you start learning uh, more? Uh, once we started shooting, once they greenlit it, because for me, I had signed, uh, what, four deals prior to that, that nothing went, nothing happened. So I wasn't even thinking that they were going to do anything. And then once they decided to go with it, then all that stuff mattered to me. And so I was like, oh shit, what, what, what happens now? And so then I went back and I was like, oh, this is, okay, this ain't cool. And, and go ahead, and sorry. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was one of my, it's, it's, it's one of the things that I, I it's, Faymar trusted me in this process. And I kind of ended up kind of not leading him the best way possible. I didn't do enough research. I didn't do due diligence. I didn't do all the stuff that they talk about when you invest in stocks. Do your own research. Look to other people. Yes, and then I was I said the five P is proper preparation prevents poor performance. And I wasn't properly prepared. So. Okay, and this is where the conversation from a few weeks ago got cut. Uh, it's also about, I guess, about a minute later uh, when he got into the wreck and was hospitalized. And now we're going to pick it up with our more recent conversation with him from back home in Atlanta. All right. So we <laughs> we had a bit of an interruption, Ray. Uh, a three, I guess a three-week, two, three-week interruption. Small one. Concussion-induced one. <laughs> I, I still can't really wrap my mind around... What happened, and that you got you, uh, I guess, overcorrected with your truck, your uh, your cargo truck, and went over the side of a of a clit of a ravine. I guess is that is that yes, what it was? Yes, of a, yep, of a ravine that I did. All right, can you assure me that I am not <laughs> that your conversation with me? Or, or your attempt to get back in touch with me. Were you fiddling with your phone? Because we got disconnected. We got, uh, I guess you were in some a bad spot cell-wise. I lost you. Well, yes, that was the thing. Um, the road I was on wasn't made for trucks. All right, where, was where, where was this? New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Rud- Rudocio, New Mexico. Random place in the middle of America. Um. So the road wasn't made for actually no commercial vehicles were supposed to be on the, on the road. But the sheriff had sent me down that road because the actual highway, a tractor had flipped over and there was a fatality. So they was dealing with that. 
On the interstate? On the, yes, on the main road that I was supposed to be on. And so on this little back road, it's two lanes, and there's drop-offs on both sides. You're in the mountains. Right, no guardrail. So I went off on one side, um, and since it was a drop-off, it was a, it was an elevated road, so it dropped. The truck went with it. The cargo shifted slightly. I corrected it. Was going left, but the the the, the truck was still still trying to go right. So went off the road on the other side, rolled a couple of times. And here I am. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, you 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 um you sent me a picture like an hour later saying this this just happened of uh, a picture of the uh, boxes all over the place, the truck um ruined. Yeah, I get. Go ahead. I'm willing to share those with the audience if if I'll send them to you. You can post them to give the story context. Yeah. Um. And so your injuries were, we said concussion. What else? I had a mild concussion. Luckily, I played football. Um, some minor contusions. I ended up getting uh, 62 stitches uh, for various cuts on on my body. Um, but all in all, um, I was okay. A little rattled. Made me feel like I need to go to an FCA meeting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Me and Guy got some talking to do. And you had a passenger with you? Yes, uh, another driver. And she was okay? Yes. So, and you, I I remember you telling me there was a, the, if not for a big rock that, that caused the rolling to stop, it would have rolled, it would have gone down how much farther in your estimation? About another 50 meters. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then because it, so, it was so strange how I ended up flipping because the rock that caught me, um, it didn't catch the box. It caught the, the, the cap. And, but before the accident, I was facing in the opposite direction. So if I was going north, by the end of the accident, my truck was facing south. Jeez. It's not a little bitty truck. <laughs> but, you know, I'm alive. I always got to get excited about being alive. And this is just another one of those stories that go along with, you know, all my other you know, stories of overcoming. Just add it under my belt. Part of the experience. In my mind, I'm as I recreate what happened. I, I'm picturing, I'm picturing the signal going out with your conversation with me, and then you looking down to try to call me back, and that's what distracted you. Is that what happened? No, not exactly. No, not at all. Not exactly. Uh, I was on my headset when I was talking to right. you. And so I, I knew I was in a bad area, so that wasn't much of the issue. It was it was it was a small roll, and I was coming around a curve. And so 
typically, like on a regular road, there would have been a lot more real estate to work with. But since there was a drop off to the right and in fear of dropping off to the right, I tried to hear up and get back on the road. <laughs> it ended up going to the other side. And how many boxes were on that truck? Uh, it was 9,000 pounds worth of boxes. So out of all those boxes, it could have been like three to three to 500. And you were taking it was semiconductors, right? From Texas or New Mexico to Ohio? From, I think, yeah, from, yes. Which one? There was, there was supposed, I came from Arizona, if I'm not mistaken. They I see. Hit, so can you take me, like, if you can think back to what, um, this sounds like such a lame sports reporter question, what was going through your mind when you scored that touchdown or got that interception, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm interested, like, what, what was your first thought when when you realized you weren't going to be able to keep that thing on the road? Um, excuse my language, but oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Here we go. Brace yourself. In my mind, it was like brace yourself. Um, this 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 wasn't the first accident I was ever involved in. So, prior experience, you know, told me in my mind to, to brace myself and and get ready. <laughs> and um, I can tell you what was going through my mind during the crash. I was like. In my mind, it, it, it happened. It seemed like it lasted forever, but it might have been a few seconds we were rolling. And I was like, oh, this can't be happening. And in my mind, you know how you have a real bad dream and you're like, okay, I'm going to wake up now. Yeah. All right. That's that's why I was with it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to wake up now. Wake up, wake up, wake up. <laughs> this, this, this can't be real. Wake up. And uh, when I woke up, not that I was asleep, but when I... When it was finally over, uh, I was like, okay, I got to stop driving. <laughs> it was the first thought that came to my mind, like, okay, I need to, God's trying to tell me something. <laughs> yeah, because even before that, I think in our conversation, you were sort of, it sort of seemed like you were only doing it because you had somebody, uh, you didn't have anybody to do it. You'd lost one of the, one of your drivers and you didn't really feel right. totally comfortable doing it. Is that the right yeah, I was. Uh, I had lost one of the drivers, and it was it was me just kind of going to pick up the truck, and it, it wasn't my intentions to be on the road at the time. And so it was, it was one of those situations. So you get taken and, to the hospital. Yes. And how long? You say one night. They wanted to keep me, but um, they they charged too much to let me sleep in the bed. Yeah. It was a, there was a hotel across the street, and I told him if I have any issue, you know, y'all can come get me from there. <laughs> Smart move. And yeah. then you ended up driving home to Atlanta. Yep. And where are things now? As far as are you gonna? Are, are you are you still saying I don't I don't think I want to drive anymore? Where do things stand with the business? Um, I'm assuming uh, I'm assuming insurance covered the the truck and all yeah. that. Yeah, I'm going going through the motions with the insurance company right this very moment. Um, but I got home and I started to think about more about what 
Okay, because in my mind, God wanted me to pause. So whatever I was doing, I needed to stop for a moment and and reflect or whatever. And um, during this time, I've been not driving or even kind of too consumed with trucking. Um, I've, I've, I've listened to a, a few people talk about things that they would like me to be a part of. And it involves helping pe- helping people and, and, and doing good in the world. So I, I believe that's more of my lane right now. You interested in getting more into the specifics of it or not yet? Well, as far as the specifics, uh, FCA. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, because in my mind, I, I already know I have a testimony. Um, and it's a story that is, is, is only... only uh, possible because of God and and I I feel like because I've been through what I've been through I could I think I'll be more than um qualified to speak on grace and um you know humbling yourself and just how the world works about you know a setback is only a setup for a comeback and so I take it as God's trying to put me in another direction right now. And I think it's geared towards more of my purpose, which is to help others reach their destiny. So are you in the early stages of trying to figure out selling the ship, uh, the trucking company and the other stuff, uh, sort of shedding, well, shedding the other stuff you're doing? Well, not necessarily Sh- shedding the part where I'm I'm driving as much as I was at the time. Um, more so like keeping the trucking company going, but at the same time being more involved in other things, more involved in speaking. Um, we have a crisis right now in Atlanta with with our youth not having not foster care parents mm-hmm. and. Um, they have a lot of our youth staying at um, defects facilities, uh, you know, uh, the places where you go get your food stamps. Mm-hmm. And and they hang out there all day. And because there's a shortage of qualified parents. And so along with my organization, I was thinking about doing something about that. Because that's the first thing that came to me, and it felt like a epiphany um, about like, oh, well, maybe this is it. Because it was the first thing that came. Someone spoke to me about, you know, after I decided that I was like, I'm ready to get back to doing something. And well, I was, you know, alerted about a problem that I can help solve, possibly. So I was going to look for someone or something, maybe Disney or somebody or an affiliate to sponsor a center Mm -hmm. where these kids can go. Because they they say that it's um, upwards to $600 a day that they spend on these kids just to sit in that office. And so I'm pretty sure with the budget concerns that I know the city has and America has, that the the money could be used a lot more efficiently. 
and holistically, I guess too. Yes, and then, and and uh, I don't I don't think I'm not the right person to do it. And then all the people that I can bring in to say it, endeavor. Because initially I had a the funny thing is that I had planned to go up to Clemson to do the camps. But that didn't work out because what? I was good. I'm sorry, which camps? Dabo's uh, camp? Yes. To like to speak? Well, no, I was going to work them in and possibly run my mouth if necessary. Oh. <laughs> so what happened? What? what? And then my stitches. Oh, the, oh, you were going to, before the wreck happened, you were going to. Yeah, yes, because I was in contact with them about uh, coming up and, and everybody was excited. They seen Coach Soros. Jordan um, Soros? We, yeah, we had spoke via email. And then uh, life happened. Jeez. And so, because in my mind, I had thoughts about kind of bringing um, a similar idea to Clemson about uh, because one of my friends has an AAU basketball team. And I was thinking of doing something similar with some kids around my son's age. Not necessarily an AAU football team because there's no such thing, but basically a group of kids that he basically grows up with that I kind of mentor and as well as coach. Mm-hmm. Sounds like that's your calling. Yeah. That, uh, that it's, it's, it's one thing I do naturally. And um, it doesn't involve crashing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, you sent me some videos of you speaking in Memphis at that, um, uh, the specific, Event it is not Methodist Methodist Hospital, Methodist uh, Hospital. Dennis Dennis Jones uh, Wellness Breakfast. Yeah, yeah. You just you seem like a. It just seems you seem really comfortable um, sharing and helping and just bearing bearing everything. Well, yeah. Um, I, I was I told the people at that particular uh, event that. I was put through the things I believe I was put through the things that I was put through in order to bear the weight of it, to know what it felt like. And similar to lifting and in, in football, um, in order to get stronger, you have to lift more weight than you're used to. But once you do it, your body, your muscles naturally tear and rebuild themselves and come back stronger. So you, you adapt. And because I've been through the things that I've been through, I'm able to adapt to a lot of chaotic situations. And I, and so I tell myself I, I work out and I lift weights to carry other people's burdens. And when I go out and speak, the the most refreshing thing to me is when I know I touch someone and the way I would I, I typically gauge it is how many people come to me afterwards. And tell me their trauma, mm-hmm. and share their trauma because it's like, oh, uh, oh, I know, I, I know, I reached you because you felt so compelled by what I said that you wanted to let me know about what you've been through because you know I understand. And you're, you, you it's, it's that feeling that you're not alone, and to be that person for somebody to 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 make them feel as if they that they're not alone in the world. 
or alone in you know trauma it's, it's, it's I think it's very helpful and a lot of the times when I'm on stage I have someone up there with me um and I, I tell the crowd and, and others that that person is like you know my my comfort animal not that I need them but I do feel better when they're there mm-hmm they don't have to really say anything either. It's just to have someone. And I speak about, you know, it's okay not to be okay. Um, There's a phrase that, man, there's a other gentleman that I'm real cool with uh, share. And it's, it's those type of situations and relationships that, you know, make life worthwhile for me. If you're in the Eastern Midlands and PD area and you're in any way interested in buying and selling a home, commercial property, land, need to consider reaching out to Uptown Realty. They're based out of Sumter and run by a friend of mine, Patrick Enzer, big Clemson guy, used to cover the Tigers in a newspaper capacity, longtime supporter of Tiger Illustrated, longtime listener to the Dubcast. The home buying process should be an enjoyable experience, so let Patrick and his staff do all the heavy lifting. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call 803 774 0435 or go to uptownrealtysc.com. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm Smith and Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-35. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services, Services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. So the, at the end of part one of our conversation, we, we cut off when we're talking about uh, you looking back at, at the movie and, and the deal that you got. You weren't, uh, you, uh, the hindsight. Um, tells you it was a it was it wasn't a good deal for you. Um, you were saying that um, it wasn't fair to Famar, sort of how you handled it. Uh, I'm just curious, um, maybe a little clarity on that as to what exactly you're talking about. Is it was it just the monetary part? You don't think it was it was um, enough uh, in exchange? Well, definitely, for- definitely the monetary part. And um, I, I didn't, I didn't, I, I did, I thought about it prior, but I didn't know the the ripple effect it would have on um, other situations in my life. I'm not sure, but I think, believe we talked about it when we first started this conversation about how uh, it was unfortunate the way my mom was portrayed in the movie. Yeah. And whereas 
you know, she's more than an addict. And not that I blame Disney for any of that. It's just that I didn't know. I, I, I was so giddy and so excited about it that I, I didn't think about, you know, any ramifications. I thought it was just all good, no matter how it went down, because in my mind, it was a blessing just to, just to have the opportunity. You know, being young and where I was in my life. And the part where I spoke about Faymar is that the part where, you know, Faymar trusted me to take care of everything. And I, I didn't do it in the best in the best way possible. What do you mean? I, I should have got us a better deal. Mm-hmm. Financially. Right. With regard to your, well, I guess with regard to both, with uh, the that part of it, the financial part, and then the part about your, the way your mother was portrayed, when did it dawn on you, when did it start to sort of strike you, uh, that other side of it, of, 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 man, this, you know, this isn't all peaches and cream, you know, this isn't just a good story being told about me, there are other ramifications here. Um, shortly thereafter, because during... It was, I was just, you know, everything was happening. It was so, it was just exciting. And then it was like, okay, now the movie's out. And I think it kind of hit me when my mom said someone from her job asked her if that was her. Uh Uh-huh. And... Where on one end it's you know yeah your son has a movie that's exciting, <laughs> that's great, but on the other hand it's well in that movie you're a crackhead. Like, are you, like is, did you ever not be a crackhead? Mm-hmm. There was a picture at the end, but nobody really stays for the credits. After the credits. Yeah. What was that picture of? I I forgot. I I saw it, but it was me, my mom, and Faymar. That's right. And during that time, she was doing a lot better. How about now? Uh, it's touch and go. In terms of her sort of lapsing back into old right. old habits. Yeah. You also said, uh, I think in, in, in Memphis, to, to the crowd there, you, you, it, it really, how they portrayed your dad was, was your, your, your late father, um, right. really affected you greatly because you didn't consider at the time, like, you know, he was going through his own life, making his own decisions, and, and part of the reasons that he would leave was because of your mother's your mother's addiction and that that's a reasonable and you know not an unreasonable thing to do um oh. can you share more about sort of the the deeper part of that about how your your father is portrayed in this movie and then but the well, the, the reality well, of, of 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 your experiences with him and your remembrances of him okay um the reality of it is my dad's a damn superhero 
um, right up there with Spider-Man, Superman, and, you know, the character of Obama, what people think about. Just like, just a stand-up guy, right? Early on in my life, I wanted to be just like my dad. He smoked Newports and drink Budweiser. I wanted to smoke Newports and drink Budweiser. <laughs> um, he worked for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution delivering papers. It was what I thought what I wanted to do with my life. It was one of the funnest jobs I ever had, running around with him on a truck. And I, I, I think back to those times. And when my dad, me and my dad got super close is when it was just us two. And my mom was in rehab with the other kids. But I was old enough to stay with my dad. And I stayed with him. And he took care of me. You know, he worked a job. He worked at night. He will come home. Um, make sure I'm awake <laughs> and then he'll pass out because he's worked all night. Um, but you know, we, we, we had times and since he worked so much, typically we ate fast food. So, uh, crystals and Waffle House was like our thing. We typically ate late at night. And one of the reasons I probably have insomnia now, but back to why he's a superhero, like he, he was there. Um, he, my dad didn't graduate high school. He had been, um, working all his life. I think at the height of his, you know, earning, he made, and this is later on in life when he lived in Vegas, but during that time, he made what, $13 an hour was like it. And, you know, that was some of the better times in my life. And, um, what I what I what I try to convey to an audience typically is that, you know, imagine you're at home, you're a family man, you married, you think you did everything that you're supposed to do. You have a wife, you got the kids, you working every day, everything's taken care of. You know, you got TVs and radios and you got worldly things as well as, you know, your family. And you you get off of work one day. You come home. Everything's fine. Kids are running around a little bit, but that's normal. You come home. You you chill out. You watch some TV, but you know you got to go to work a little bit later. You eat some dinner. You, you you go to sleep, and you go to sleep before everybody else. But you wake up. You leave. Say, one a.m. in the morning. By the time you get back to the house after your shift, all the things that you knew were, you know, um, what you thought were permanent are now transient or transitory, as they talk about inflation. And so it's a fire sale. Everything in your house gone. No more TVs, no VCRs, no radios. Any packaged food is already sold. Your wife is missing and the kids are running around and you just got off work and nothing happened to bring this on. Nothing that you did. Nothing that you did. Yeah. Right. And you go to work and you come home and then your whole world is turned upside down. And it's unfortunate. My mom did that several times. And he stayed 
for years with that being the possibility. And so the amount of stress that can cause, the amount of inadequacy that can, that can, insecurities that can bring up, I never considered them as a young man. Hell, I ain't considered them much as a, um, um, a grown-up. Because it wasn't until after 25 where I, I tried to, I, I took a different perspective. So until and, then, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Until then, I was, so I was I like, was, until then, you 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 just blamed him. For, you just viewed him as the guy who left your mom, abandoned the family. Yeah, he broke up the family. Yeah. You know, they say dad gets to mess up one time, and 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 forget him. Mom can mess up as minute much as she wants. She's still mom, but dad messes up once, and then you start calling by his first name. <laughs> <laughs> and. I was that kid. I was the, I was I was the the bastard asshole kid that not necessarily a bastard because my parents were married, but I was the asshole kid that didn't take perspective into account. I mean, I was young. It's not like I was supposed to be able to, but it would have been a lot easier for me coming up dealing with my father and you know, since his passing, it would have been a lot easier if I wasn't such a dick. If I if I wasn't so resentful, if I wasn't so angry. When did he pass? Um, two thousand eighteen, I think. And can you refresh me on on what what it was of? Heart failure. Heart failure. At fifty four. Mm, fifty four. Yeah. Did you were there things that you weren't able to tell him that you and you know you had this had you gotten this sort of um revised mindset okay. perspective before he passed? Nope. No. Nope. So it was well, only... I had some of it but not enough to voice it because mm-hmm. there was still some anger there. Cuz you know a lot of the times we get it in our mind that we have time to fix stuff. So it wasn't necessarily a rush to do so. I'm like, I got time. And the only way I wanted to, I wanted to argue about it. Because <laughs> that's the emotion that I was feeling. I was hurt. So I'm, I was ready to fight. And say what? Like, why did you do what? Why didn't you come back for me? Mm-hmm. Come back for you when? When I was living with my coaches. High school? Yes. Yeah. Well, middle school, high school. Mm -hmm. He was in Vegas still at this time? Well, before he was in Atlanta, early on in middle school, he was in Atlanta, then he moved to Vegas, I think my seventh, eighth grade year. Why do you think he didn't come back for you? You know how um, you you put things off to a, to a point where when when you started it it wasn't that bad, but by the time you came back to it, it became something that felt overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So it might have been easier to, you know, 
Well, in his mind, I'm, I'm okay. Let me let me say, let me think in the best best possible scenario. I was better off where I was. Was probably his mindset. Right with coaches. Yes, I was. It was a more stable situation. Um, he was staying with a girlfriend at the time, who I didn't get along with at all, and nothing because of what she did. Um, it was more so because I was upset about like her part in breaking up my family. So I would give her hell too. I'd go in the house, I'd take her cigarettes and throw them away. <laughs> <laughs> take the remote and make it go missing. There's <laughs> anything to make her life a little bit harder. <laughs> so, and, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I'm sorry I'm interrupting I you. mean, it, it created a, a untenable situation. And that's initially why I left and went with my coaches. But in my mind, I'm like, okay, eventually he's gonna get rid of her, and he'll get his get his get it get back on his feet, and you know. But then I, I thought, because uh, a young lady told said something to me like this, you know, how many times do you have to break someone before you before they're broken? And I believe my dad had been broke, went through too many breaks, not getting enough breaks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, had too many breaks, no kick hats. And it broke him. And just the, 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 the stress of having to start over and try to build something when your resources are limited. Hello? Yep, I'm here. You know, when, when as, as storytellers, whether it's Disney uh, or whether it's a, me, uh, a writer for the Post and Courier in 2006, August of 2006, trying to tell your story, you know, you put things in little boxes and at that time, the way I told the story um, from you was, you know, the dad is, you know, just sort of this, he's not there. He's this, you know, out of the picture, sort of a deadbeat. And then the focus is more on the mom as she's trying to get better. Um, right. That kind of sucks that, that, uh, that that's the way it, not that. You know, I mean, I'm sure if you would have told a more, a fuller story of your dad at the time, I would have chronicled that um but it kind of sucks that ever that there's so many things get put in the little boxes because the um the story is almost always so much deeper than that with individuals and how did your dad respond or react to when you and famar became such a big story and he at best he was not even really mentioned well, my younger brother Cornelius was staying with him at the time, and he tells me that my dad was proud. Mm. Wow. Although it didn't necessarily put him in the greatest light, the fact that he had a son that was capable of doing the things that I was doing, it made him proud that, you know, that's my son. 
And he had this big thing about my name, like <laughs> like our name, McAreth Bay. He has this real pride thing about our name. So, and I have the same thing. So to see our name, the family name, somewhere and it's doing good, and it it always made him feel great because it's, it's like, cause for him that was an extension of him. He made that happen. You said Cornelius told you what your dad thought. You, you and your dad never spoke about it? Mm-mm. Why not? Um, one of those touchy things, I believe, for me. Because hmm. it's another situation where in which um, I asked him if he, he could have stepped up. But truth be told, he couldn't. Because at the time, when I did get Faymar, he was out there with my mom again. And she was on her, you know, doing her thing. How long did you go without talking to your dad? I mean, I, I never went more than more than five, six months. Um, I was always able to keep it cordial. And we never really talked about things in depth. He would never say something like, I'm proud of you, son, for, you know, for doing nope. what you're doing. Nope. My dad told me twice in his life that he loves me. Mm. I remember each time. When were those times? Uh, one, when I was younger, he stopped me. It was it was the weirdest thing. He stopped me in the middle of the steps, like cause it was upstairs, downstairs, in the middle of the steps. He stopped me, and it, it and it took a lot out of him to do it. And he was like, "I love you." And me being a kid, I'm like, "Okay, okay, Dad, love you too." <laughs> but for him, he 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 wasn't one to express emotions like that. Typically, like I. I Unlike myself, I used to be closed down as a kid and I was angry because of it because I never got any of those emotions out. So I would tend to sometimes snap Um, because he was a real closet person as far as his emotions were concerned and his feelings. Like we never, like I never, I can't remember having a conversation with my dad about feelings, about how he feels. I think the closest I got to a feeling conversation with him, um, I was asking him about his libido. Because I was like, I was wondering where, where I would be when I got older. Because at the time, I felt like I was sex crazed. <laughs> and that's the only thing that I ever, I can remember speaking to my dad that where it was like, like we had almost like a father son moment. We shared things like you know love of old music, so like the Temptations, the OJ's, Stevie Wonder, like old school music. Like we shared that. We might have a conversation about that and our love for action movies, and so like it's hard for me to watch. <laughs> um. Um, hold on. Shit. Take your time, man. 
my dad was a real big uh, John Clyde Van Damme fan, Chuck Norris fan. So movies like Blood Sports and um, Rambo, and um, it was other movies like he used to love when I was little. And I might have found it on the TV the other day, and it reminded me of it. But it's called uh, Action Jackson. Oh yeah. <laughs> And uh, it was, it's funny, I can remember days on days watching that movie over and over again. He loved that movie. It was like his sleep movie. That sleep movie is the movie you watch typically before you go to sleep. You know all the parts, so just hearing it, you don't necessarily have to watch it because you yeah. know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, and it was, it was, I actually watched it uh, two days ago. Wow. And it came out in 1988, which is, I was only two <laughs> when it came out, but I can remember watching it so many times. Um, and just the old movies kind of brings that type of nostalgia. Um, when I watch many John Wayne or Clint Eastwood, he was real big on Westerns. I couldn't stand him at the time. <laughs> um yeah, it was it was that kind of stuff that like me and my dad we we had conversations about things that we shared in common. And it was only because I was trying to be like him at the time that I even probably got into those things cuz I can remember during the time I wasn't necessarily into all that kind of stuff. But now it, it because of the the nostalgia and then even just growing up and being able to understand movies, but it's even more nostalgia now. Just, just watching and and thinking about those times because there were times like you know I had a real family, I had my own room, lived in a house. My dad taught me how to ride a bike. The first time I drove the car, drove a car was in his lap. And so it's those memories that if I think back, like, there were some wonderful times. And due to my mother's condition, um, they they didn't last as long as they should have. And it was through no fault of my dad's, but, you know, I blamed him for every damn thing. You don't think he was ever... Uh hurt that 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 his that that part those parts of your story weren't uh weren't publicized or chronicled Now, <laughs> I never really thought about it. But you're—you said earlier you were—you were a teenager. You're a college student. You're not supposed to have the wisdom of a however old you are right now. You know, you're not. It's not fair to you. It's not fair to expect you to. To even-handedly, you know, tell the most favorable story about everybody, you know. 
It's not 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 your not not your responsibility. Um, when was the second time he told you he loved you? He came to visit me at one of my coaches' house. I was uh, fifteen. He had just came over there because um, he was in town. He was about to go back to Vegas, and we were sending his van. And he told me before it left. This is high school. Yes. After you watched the movie for the first time, or as you watched it, what was your... I mean, I know in the moment, it's, there's all this celebration, and you're doing all these interviews, and so it's hard to really have your feet on the ground at that precise moment. I'm just curious, what when you first saw the finished product, what your reaction was, what your feeling was when you... After you, the credits rolled and you saw that picture and you walk away and you're trying to sort of, and you're assessing the movie and it's whether it told the story the way you hoped and all the, all the complicated things that are surrounding that. The story it told, it told the story pretty well of what it was trying to convey. But as far as my life is concerned, it has nothing to do with my life. That's how I look at that time. is is pretty insignificant. The movie. Far, say again? The movie itself or that time in your life? Both. Yeah. Because it, it didn't... It, while... I was excited about the fact that when I was younger, there was a movie called Angels in the Outfield. And it talked about how his foster kid um, was hoping that his dad came back. And his dad told him if the, if the Angels win the pennant. And so he had wished that the Angels had won the pennant. And the Angels had came and help the angels get to the pennant. Um, but that movie was like one of the greater movies of my childhood because it was like one of those hopeful movies. Like, okay, I hope my people come back and get me. And it was a movie that I could identify with. And it was one of my favorite movies to this day. And so I was excited about the fact that people watched it and they got that feeling where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm not alone again. I'm yeah. not alone. There's somebody out there. And my story and what I was able to do would be that for them, be that Angels in the Outfield story, that the, the, the story of hope that it'll be okay. And so that that's the greatest thing I can take from the movie. But it's looking back, just kind of taking it all in. It, it, it didn't tell enough about the most important things about me. Such as your dad. Such as my dad, such as my mom. Yeah. In the real struggle. 
because the real struggle wasn't when that well, wasn't when I was in Clemson. Right. It was middle those school. The, those were the good old days. Yeah. It was more middle school, high school. Well, actually, more elementary. Elementary. That's when all the drama of my life was happening. That's when I got arrested. That's when I got kicked out of school. That's when my mom was in the height of her addiction. That's when it was the most chaotic times of my life. And I think more people will identify with those times than the times at Clemson. Because, yeah, you could be great with, with, you know, especially the way Clemson is doing now, the chances of you making it, going to Clemson and playing football are like making it to the NFL. Slim chance of, of, you know, creating those situations. And I didn't want anybody to think that this is how it had to be for you to be able to make it. Because it doesn't happen like that for everybody. So just like I was taking care of my brother, that would probably, you know, my sister did it before I did. She was taking care of two of my siblings when she was in school. But she didn't play football. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of unsung heroes that I think will identify more with what happened prior to Clemson as opposed to during. Well, maybe you can, uh, you can tell that story in your new, with this reinvented public speaking FCA helping people version of you. Yeah. We can write a book. What's that? We can write a book. Yeah. (laughs) Or that. How often do you talk to your mother? She was over here yesterday. You're breaking up a little bit. She was over here yesterday. Okay. She was at my house yesterday. So she's just up and down, I guess. Right. Yeah. Uh, Some good days and there's some bad days. How, how How do you think she looks back at the movie two years later? Similar to my dad, where there's, that's your kid, that's your name, you're proud. But at the same time, it's, it's like winning a championship and you, you know, you in the last seat. Sometimes you don't know your contribution to the overall thing, but you were, you were, you were the scout team player. You were the practice dummy. You were the tackling dummy. You was, you were significant in ways that you don't feel were significant. And for me, uh, I think that it's, it's somewhat like that. Where yeah, you you're excited. You're a part of it, but you know, with the wrong attitude, you feel like you're in seat 15 and you didn't do anything for this ring. That's in basketball terms. Yeah. Or if you, you know, if you, you know, you're a walk on or you're on scout team in football terms that, you know, okay, your team's the national champions, but you didn't play one down. 
So there's a, there's the excitement of yay, we champions, but then at the same I'm a champion, but at the same time, you you question your role. Yeah, the thing with a feel good movie like that is the people who aren't involved walk away feeling good, and that's what they remember. But life goes on for everybody else who is yes. involved. This is true. Ray, is there anything we haven't talked about that you that you want to get off your chest? Is there is there anything I'm missing that to catch up on? Oh, not this very moment. Not that I can think of. Um, at the moment, there's nothing I can think of. Well, man, I hope talking about hard things is. Obviously, it's hard, but I hope it's it's helpful. Um, I hope it's somewhat therapeutic, um, just to just to get it out. Um, that wasn't my goal, um, but I, it, I I hope that I, and I trust that there will be there's a, a positive involved in it, and I hope you do too. Oh no, I'm I'm more than I, I enjoy getting this shit out. Yeah. Um, I didn't know I needed to cry until I started crying. Um, someone was telling me not too long ago, was it yesterday, that I still have some healing to do. Mm. And they're wondering when I'm going to be, you know, when I'm uh, when I'm across that threshold. And I couldn't give any any date to it because in my mind, I know there's still some things I have to work through. And it's it's therapeutic to to get to talk about it. That's just one of one of the bigger reasons I do talk about it. Um, yeah, I mean, just these different perspectives because. I never thought about it <laughs> um, because what you brought up about, you know, when my story first hit, let's say the first story came out because my dad wasn't around once the movie came out. Unfortunately, he wasn't alive, but he was alive for the newspaper articles mm-hmm. and the, Oprah. Right. And, and for all of that, for, for all the things he did do, <laughs> During those times, to not get any credit, oh shit, that's it's painful. And um, it's a dereliction of duty on my part, but shit, that's, that's wow. And just that perspective, it is. It makes me cry, but it's 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 healing in a sense um, because the fact that I can cry means that there was you know something to speak of there was there was times there was credit due like I should have gave his roses when he was alive like you know giving their flowers when they're here and I did and it's it's something I I can regret I mean I can 
I only pray. And but my mom tells me things like he knows. He knows that you're kind of like him, and you're not really great at this emotional thing. Mm. Um, but your dad knew you loved him, and and he knew you appreciated him because I've 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 had this conversation with my mom, and I've had more. I've had it more since my dad's passed. Um, but again, I didn't, I didn't have the perspective that you just gave me. Like, oh yeah, there were a bunch of articles way before the movie that never mentioned him in a good light. <laughs> Whereas my mom, we working on her. She has her struggles, but she's still great. My dad just like, oh, you ain't nobody. And that's not right. So, uh, it'll be something I'll pay for for the rest of my life, possibly. Um, but that being said, that's something else that I can let people know to, to try to, to, that's my example. And it, and for me, I know it, it should hit home because it hit home with me. Like, I didn't think about it. It never really came up. I thought about the movie and possibly mm-hmm. him being left out of that, but what about all the articles? Hell, he was in the newspaper business. But even still, he was able to to be proud of you. Yeah. Which probably came from the understanding that you're a college kid and you'd been through a lot, so... Well, part of that was probably, you know, guilt on his part, because I know if I feel like this, he he's worse than me as far as the pride thing is concerned. So although I might be feeling like this, I can only imagine how he felt. Hell, that's, you know, the stressors, the stressors that I, I talk about with my dad, I can understand why he, he lived a short life. And this is kind of like uh, to to bring it all back when I talk about ACEs, which is adverse childhood experiences. Um, there's adult trauma too, and having a rough childhood does decrease your life expectancy because of the the stress of life that it puts on your heart and your body. And if you're a kid on your developmental process, and even as a grown-up on your just overall growth, and given all the hindrance, all the hurdles, it would have been hard to live a long life like this. Well, I I trust that you're going to use that perspective and that example to to be better uh, to improve on it um, that's what life is all about yeah you know? I need to be more like my dad well and, but but less like him in some ways right hey yeah but more in my mind because there's this because the parts I do have I mean I, I like to think of them as all good parts but all of them are significant. 
on the moment. I bet you told you. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was about to say, and that's also taking to account taking into account how my dad was raised. Yeah. And a lot of times as grown ups we forget that our our parents were young once too. And they have stuff that they're still trying to work through because I'm an adult and I'm working through things from my childhood. They have things from their childhood that they haven't worked through yet. I know that's one of the reasons my mom continuously struggles because she's running from her past. Mm. I'm guessing you've told your your eight-year-old son you, you love him more than twice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's maybe a day that goes bad. I'll say it at least three times. There you go. Yeah, but my dude is better off because of what I went through. That's right. No doubt. Well, Ray, I am glad you're alive after our last conversation. Um, very thankful um, that you're in one piece after that horrible accident and um, really uplifting to hear what your new path is, is looking like as it materializes as you, as you um, sort of find your calling. And I, there will always be a microphone here for you as we, as we keep in touch. I know there are plenty of people out there who want to continue learning about your journey. And uh, as it gets into more of the speaking realm, hopefully, um, you have an open invitation to to come back on whenever and and however. Well, I do appreciate that. And whenever I, whenever you need my opinion, feel free to ask and I shall give. You take care of yourself, Ray. I shall. Thank you, sir. Okay, not an easy conversation there, but... Uh... Hopefully it tells you a little more about the real world's uh, events of, of Ray Ray's life and not the sort of uh, sanitized version or the storybook version that you see on the Disney Channel. Appreciate his participation. Appreciate his honesty, uh, his willingness to share so much uh, on some difficult topics. Appreciate our sponsors for being such loyal contributors and helping make the podcast happen. Most of all, thanks to all of you for hitting play every week. Cheers. Cheers.